Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the biggest stories in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. On this edition, it doesn't bear thinking about if you're Barcelona, but we are thinking the unthinkable for them, not making it out of the group stage of the Champions League. Also, Ajax hit for six by Napoli. It just ain't cricket. And just when you thought it was up, 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 up and away with a cracking week in the Champions League, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's more Super League talk. Let's start, though, with the stories that might have gone under the radar that have caught your eyes, gentlemen. Um, do you want to go first uh, with that, Miguel? Any stories that we've missed? Because <laughs> it wasn't much under the radar, but more so uh, just how disappointing Milan were last night. It was a game I was at, Chelsea. I, I expected a kind of a big, pretty much heavyweight clash with a pressure on Chelsea. Chance for Milan to really stake their claim uh, in terms of kind of going forward this season and, and, and emphasise their resurgence. And it just, I mean, it wasn't just the Milan that people imagine when you hear the name. It wasn't really the Milan that we've we kind of seen for the past two seasons. I mean, maybe that was stepping up to the level, but it was really disappointing. Which is uh, Okay, not under the radar, but no. under the bridge. How about you, Andy? Well, something that was, I guess, more expected was what happened to Sevilla last mm. night against Dortmund and the uh, subsequent <laughs> departure of Julian Lopetegui, who we knew was going uh, ahead of ahead of kickoff and it was played in this weird sort of semi-funereal atmosphere um, with Sevilla knowing um, that they haven't got a great team at the moment that they're going to struggle to get out of uh, the group stage of the Champions League and knowing that Lopetegui was going now that they were belted by Dortmund on the night although from Dortmund's perspective I think Alexander Meyer their goalkeeper had a 
slightly better game than you would expect your goalkeeper to have when you win 4-1 away from home in the, in, in the Champions League against opposition that you're you're better than. And we saw this very emotional um, departure for Lopetegui at the end as he greeted the fans. Um, the fans um, gave him appreciation, knowing what he's done for the club, winning a Europa League and, and, and getting them back in the Champions League. And it was interesting to see Monchi, the sporting director, out with him to seemingly take part of the responsibility for what's happening. Now, it looks like Lopetegui might not be out of work for long. Um, Wolves have been interested in him before um, when they were taken over and uh, they're, they're interested in him now with, course, the, with, yeah. with, with the vacancy they they have. I think he's largely done very, very good work at Sevilla, but I would argue that he's probably run out of ideas, not helped by the recruitment that the, the Monchi's made with ageing players over the, the last six to eight months. And ideally, I think he could probably do with a little bit of a break to have a rethink of how he's, he's doing things. But it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. Well, it's not just going to be about adios on this programme. There might be some holas as well. And do remember, you can get in touch with us anytime during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel and at Miguel Delaney. And this one straight away from John on Instagram. Don't know if it is Adios or Hola, but I take it, he says, that dropping down to the Europa League wasn't part of the plan for Barca this summer. Uh, I'm imagining, Miguel, you can say that again. I don't know how to say that in Spanish. Uh, well, there's... Um this is the great risk, basically, from Barcelona summer strategy. I mean, we've we've discussed it in detail, but this is a kind of a, a tangible development that actually creates a real issue, and kind of it does kind of move the story on to the next step because I mean, this this is how kind of you know this is where it starts to play out. I mean, ultimately, Barcelona's plan and why it was such a risk, really. Uh, is even even if it did make a certain financial logic, is that it's based on being a commercially attractive team that always competes in the Spanish title and always goes a distance in the most high-profile competitions, obviously being the Champions League. So they do kind of need to be getting to the latter stage of the Champions League regularly, to, more than anything, to be a team that has buzz about them. Now, there's not much buzz about uh, a 1-0 defeat to Inter Milan <laughs> in, the, in, the manner, in the manner we saw it. That, I mean... And obviously, first of all, there is the basic fact that they're third in the group now. Uh, they've got a lot to do to turn this round. Um, and immediately, a massive revenue stream, which is going the distance of Champions League. Well, that could be could end up being a difference. You know, it, could, it could end up costing them sixty million potentially. Mm. Which is which, given the figures in the, of the summer, the you know the six hundred million Goldman Sachs debt, um, that's that's not inconsiderable. <laughs> But almost more concerning than that, because it's about whether they can actually um, get through this. I mean, I, I didn't watch the full game live. I was watching the goal show the night Andy wasn't on. <laughs> I was like, I was on Disgusted. I was, at Chelsea, I was at Chelsea last night. Yeah. Um, but uh, but, every, but you know, every time it cut to Barcelona, so obviously every time it was a big chance, it was actually doing the same thing over and over on, which is getting out to one of the wingers, usually Dembele, and him just swinging it in. And, I mean, that's not exactly... So, so you're saying, basically, that getting rid of Luke de Jong yeah. was an error. <laughs> <laughs> well, <it doesn't... laughs> I mean... Not putting words into he, your mouth there. He is the sort of player that could have thrived. Only you would have thought... I, mean, I saw Lewandowski got a bit of heat, actually, on some of the more excitable Spanish media programmes. Um, but, that, I mean, that should have been the sort of game for him. Well, it was an interesting point, actually, mm. because when I was watching um, the 
Bayern Barcelona game from the the last round of fixtures uh, with someone who works in Germany. Mm. They started tutting straight away and going, Lewandowski, you will go missing in big Champions League games. Ooh, well, which is, really? is is quite interesting. So that's definitely a perception. Is that, is that a bit harsh in it's... Germany? I think it's a little harsh, but it's it's definitely a discussion. Yeah, and it's it's, it's not a completely closed discussion by yeah, any, yeah. any stretch of the imagination. And you know, he should really relish that bit. You know, that's a huge part of his game that he loves. You know, fighting for the ball. You yeah, know, he yeah. loves the combat element of being a, yeah. a centre forward. Now, some might argue he loves the combat element of being a centre forward against softer defenders, <laughs> like yeah, in yeah. He's, he's facing in La Liga most weeks at at, at the moment. I, I think this is really interesting because before this game, I thought this was a much bigger game for Inter. Yeah, Un- yeah. Under pressure, having lost at the weekend, having lost four games in the league already. Um, and being completely outclassed by Bayern in that match day one. But now they've got to the other side of that. It, it feels like it's a bigger game for Barcelona well, to have, yeah. have, have, have lost, you know, because, uh, I mean, I still think that they're reasonably set to get out of the group. But having lost on two out of the, the, the first three, and as Miguel was saying, like not really creating that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I realise they should have had a penalty for that Denzel Dumfries handball at the end. I really don't understand well, why, that, Xavi, why they didn't. Xavi kept insisting that and he had a touch of the Graham Taylors about him. You know, do <laughs> I not did, like this? He? Do I not like this to the referee? I think he got a yellow card as a result, didn't he? He, he did, mm. but I, I thought more telling was the reaction of uh, Simone Inzaghi, who had this like meek look on his face as if... Well, yeah, we got away with one here, and, and they certainly have. But but the fact that this is the main point of focus, rather than the fact it's mm. it's, it's kind of given him a bit of a pass for the fact he didn't yeah, really yeah. create anything. How, know, how much of that? How, I mean, Ferrari goes on about being a, a Pep Guardiola ideologue. How much of that was from the Mourinho playbook? Then you know, create, yeah. create controversy to to detract. Yeah, yeah. But, it's but an interesting it's, point. But it's like Miguel says, they seem to have one trick, which was get the ball to Dembele, let him cross, and hopefully Lewandowski mm. or somebody will put their head at the end of it. And once that trick fell apart, it yeah. didn't seem like they were in the game. I mean, it's remarkable when you have the midfield that they, they do. And um, I have to say, I did enjoy the little um, social media back and forth with um, Bastoni and Gavi afterwards where... Um, Bastoni obviously published this picture of him seemingly dragging Gavi along by the neck of his shirt, going a good battling win last night. Of course, <laughs> Bastoni is a bit of a rascal on social media. You may, may remember when Ashley Young left uh, Inter yeah. and he put out, he used to put out those, those really, really sweet tweets in um, Italian and um, Instagram in, in Italian and English. And uh, he said, uh, thanks for everyone for the last couple of years. And the first comment back was from Bastoni, a player more than 10 years is junior saying in English, Great bloke, terrible footballer. <laughs> zero, 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 zero. I mean, there's, he'll do what he likes. But I think um, what Miguel was saying, when the Inter were able to dig in like that, mm. when, you know, no Lukaku, no Brozovic, who's their most important midfield player, arguably, the one who kind of steers the team and everything, it felt like Inter were really on the the back foot there. I'm interested to see if they can replicate that sort of performance at, at Camp No next week because it, it comes around so quickly. But I think the, the idea at the start of the season that I had was if Barcelona aren't going to get close to winning the Champions League, it's probably because they're defensively a bit short. And obviously they've got a couple of defensive injuries at the moment. I wasn't really envisaging 
them not being able to create like this. Yeah, yeah. But Andy is confident, nevertheless, that they'll turn things around and get through uh, this stage and get to the knockout stage. Uh, yeah. are, are you confident? Yeah, I mean, purely because I think they've got ultimately that bit too much quality. And it, I mean, as, as Andy kind of referenced there, what Inter did was a surprise. Now, who knows? Maybe the group could be turned on its head if uh, Inter's troubles in Serie A go on. They change manager, say they get Tuchel. Uh, although that seems it seems likelier if if he does go to Serie A, it'll be to Juve. Um, but anyway, I mean, the romance. Well, I, I, I suppose <laughs> the, the issue more is, and and again we come back to I suppose the financial calculation that Barcelona have made. They've left themselves subject to these sort of variables when really they probably should have been given the given the extent of their expenditure, given their ambition, they would have wanted to be cruising through this group. But how much are those variables, though? Um, you know, take it in pounds, shillings, pence, uh, pesetas. Well, it's tens of millions euros. of euros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. depends how deep they would go into the competition. If they don't get through to but, the next but, round. But yeah, I think as well, you have to look at this season, the fact that Sevilla are, are all over the shop, that Atletico Madrid might not qualify for the next round as well. So that is cutting them off not just from prize money, but from a bigger share of the market pool, because that's divided between the amount of teams that are, are left in the competition. So it, it, it could be a massive difference to Barcelona not getting to the last 16, if they were to do that. They've sold over 700 million euros of assets. That doesn't seem like enough at this point. <laughs> do they need to sell some more? Well, I mean, I suppose it's more, it's more just to kind of the the way the club is now financially constructed, the way it's built on so much, at the moment, long-term debt, um, with ultimately that, because uh, the big plan there was always going to create the virtuous cycle, that the debt was worth it if they brought in uh, sufficient uh, players of sufficient quality and commercial value that it created a kind of a snowball effect, that they win more games, they get more commercially attractive, they build up revenues to the point that that debt can be easily kind of eroded. But that doesn't happen if you're a team losing somewhat meekly to an underperforming Inter. Just a final point on this, and forgive me, I'm not, you know, taking the Mickey out of the dearly departed. But nevertheless, you've got to do this in a Graham Taylor voice because Shavi said after the game, "We have three. We've got three. I can't do it. Anyway, they've got three more finals to come." <laughs> <laughs> and as Miguel says, that that is the situation that that they're in. Come on, come on. Bigger, bigger. We've done that. Can we not knock it? Let's look from an Italian perspective now, uh, not least on, uh, well, <laughs> Champions League success, Napoli. Did anybody expect them to thrash Ajax 6 1? Well, uh, maybe not when the draw was made. Uh, some, some of us were at that point <laughs> talking about how this could be an open group that Napoli could even finish bottom. <laughs> we, we might have spoken about that. Yeah. I think the thing is about this group, what's made it so interesting, well, we weren't expecting the Liverpool drop-off for, for, for one. But I think we said at the start of the group that Ajax and Napoli were two such unknowns. We didn't know how it was going to gel, how it was going to click. We know they've both got talent on the books, but the amount of turnover and the loss of experienced players on both sides, it feels for the moment like it's Ajax that are missing the experience more than Napoli. And mm. I, I think you look at the way that this game unfolds. Okay, Napoli are in red-hot form at the moment, and that's what we're going to concentrate on here. But I think if we're looking at the way this game went, it felt to me that especially... Uh, but by the end of the first half, even before we even got to half time, 
Ajax were panicking. You look at the goal they let into Zielinski. Yeah. They're all up the pitch. Yeah, and there's yeah, this yeah. massive space. He could have driven a tractor through yeah. that before scoring the third <laughs> that, goal. That fourth goal was remarkable. Uh, yeah. The one they just lost in the edge of the box. But, I mean, I mean first of all, but the, the one thing I said, I mean, because I keep watching this and as, as sensational as Napoli are, there's almost an element of unreality about it. Um, but... And I, I, we, like we've seen these things before in a sense that you wonder kind of how actually sustainable is this? I mean, teams can collapse in that way. It, it, it's happened in Serie A before. It's happened to Napoli before. But even that, even if that were to happen, and obviously there's a giddiness about potentially going for the, for the first title since Maradona was there. Um, even if that were to happen, they've obviously made immense progress this season. And I do wonder, I mean, given so much of the focus at the start of the season was how they've lost pretty much the spine of the team. And that's obviously going to require reassessment. But I do wonder, given the specific way Splatty works, whether you're having this kind of, this sudden new young core actually worked in his favour in that way. Mm. Kind of hungry. That it's one of those situations. I mean, and I, 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 like I think um, Lorenz is in the Daily Telegraph today actually talking about how this was always his plan. It was part of some, I, I wonder about that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder about that. <laughs> well, g- given given the way that you've both tried to dig yourself out of the hole that you made for yourself <laughs> yeah. once upon a time, and the great thing about Football Ramble is that our listeners never forget. They hang on your every <laughs> single word. So whether you've eaten enough humble pie or not with regards to Napoli, it remains to be seen. But Hoff Petanke on Instagram asked... Are we expecting, are you guys then expecting Napoli to falter at some point or are they genuine contenders for the Champions League? I'm not sure we can say they're genuine contenders for the Champions League. I mean, I just think drink it in and enjoy it while it's happening. We've no idea whether this is sustainable um, with this set of players and we've no idea whether the players who are on the bench are, are ready to step up. And, you know, at the moment, it's lovely to see like the sixth goal that Napoli scored with the, the Ndombele assist and the really emphatic finish from Gio Simeone. If those two are to start five games in a row, we don't know what effect that would have. We don't know if they're ready to to do that. I would hope so, and I, I would love to see them do their stuff, but we, we really don't know. As well, you've got to bear in mind, like Ajax won all six games in the group last season yeah. and they didn't get past the last 16 you know so the the yeah. style it's not just that they won they won with great style they absolutely hammered Dortmund twice 7-1 over the two games uh, three had a different coach then the yeah yeah the, the one thing I would say I mean usually as you say there's such a break between the group stage and the uh, and the knockout stage and they're also so different in tone mm. that it can really cause a, like it's almost like the form of the early season is relevant um, but I wonder even, could we see that go back the other way with the World Cup this year? Because obviously that's, this group stage is so, is so crunched together. Then we've got the the massive, I mean, because I, I, do, I do think it's actually underappreciated the effect the World Cup is going to have on the latter stage, especially in terms of how many senior players come back having felt the intensity of it. And it, it can take a while to recover. You know, the most famous example being Roberto Baggio after 94. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, just looking through the Napoli team, obviously the the the, the real star Cavaradonna uh, is uh, he's not going to be there. Um, I mean, is that helpful or unhelpful? I don't, I don't think we can tell because at the moment, if I was Cavaradonna, I would be wanting to play four times a week because yeah, yeah. you know he's in such incredible form. He's twenty two. You know, he's he's full of fitness and and running, and he's he's, he's playing brilliantly at the moment. The, the last thing I would want if I were him were like a 
one and a half month break. I suppose it's more about freshness, though. I suppose, and maybe they can yeah. use it in the preseason. You see, this is interesting. And Italy aren't there, of course, either. Is it? This is no. an interesting conversation because obviously, if the caveat uh, so who's going to win the Champions League is the World Cup, then you might look to wonder whether the team that's going to win it is the one whose goal scoring machine isn't going to be at the World Cup, and he'll be fresh and won't be knackered and certainly won't be injured. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting point. I mean, it's almost like it's going to be two separate. Champions yeah, League yeah. seasons. An upper, an upper tour and a cloud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All coming round to the way we want it in yeah. European football. But like for, for, the, for the moment, the longevity of, of Napoli, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just enjoying yeah, yeah, watching yeah. them playing so much at the moment. You know, only one team has scored more goals in the first three games of a, a, a group stage. And, and that's Arsenal going back, I think, about 11 years. So... Arsenal. It's, it's pretty amazing. Arsenal. Yeah. Okay. Um, this question from Nick on Twitter. It says, with Raspadori getting a double at Ajax on the back of his two goals for Italy, what's his ceiling, if you like? Can he become one of Europe's top forwards? I, I, I think he's got quite a high ceiling. Uh, I, th- I think there's no doubt about that. It's funny. I, I can't look at him, really, without thinking of Roberto De Serbi and him mm. starting off at Brighton. Mm. Now, we mm. mentioned this on the Ramble a couple of weeks ago. I was saying, when you look at the way he developed Locatelli and Raspadori while he was at Sassuolo, as I said on there, Brighton are never going to go and buy 50 million forwards, so they want De Serbi to develop someone in that sort of way mm. now I never thought he'd do it so quickly that Leandro Trossard would score a hat-trick at Anfield <laughs> in his first game uh, but yeah. I, I think you look at Raspadori he's made the move at the the right time I think as well you look at the fact that there's that loss of senior figures not just good players but senior figures as Miguel was talking about before Insigne Mertens Koulibaly it's a bit more room for him to express himself I think, and you know, the team is waiting for a leader. So, it, it, if if you're looking up front, it could be him. It could be Simeone. I don't think it will be Simeone. I think Simeone will contribute rather than be an A plus sort of player for them over the over the coming years. But I think midfield's the most interesting area for for them really because Ndombele is obviously someone who needs rhythm, needs to feel a sense of well-being around him. But the competition for places in there is absolutely fierce. You look at Zielinski, you look at Lubotka, you know, there's there's an enormous amount of quality in there. We talked about Kavara Skelia. I think the other big difference, the thing that was always going to be key post-Kulibali is getting a centre-half in that can lead the team. And Kim Minyai has, has, has done that really brilliantly so far. I think he's been one of their outstanding players. You too. can't get in the team if they're unbeaten domestically, yeah. internationally. True. And they're entertaining the crowds. You know, that's part of this. You know, you, you can almost feel them getting their groove on when they're on the yeah. pitch, you know. That was another thing about De Laurentiis' kind of interview this morning where he's talking about kind of his history in film. Uh, and how this is all it's all part of this it's putting on a show but I mean that's yeah. what they, they, they have they have actually become in more so I mean, I'm trying to think kind of similarities to this but Real Betis a few under under Setien but never never to this level but now Napoli are basically kind of the, the must watch team in Europe yeah it yeah, is, they really are. Is it De Laurentiis of Hollywood fame? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. No, really? Yeah, the same yeah. family? Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah, I mean this is this is why when they signed Gokan Inla, who probably is still playing 
in uh, in, in Turkey, Adama Demirspor. The day that he signed for for Napoli, De Laurentiis like led him out of the wings. <laughs> it was like this guy wearing a Napoli shirt and with a lion's head. And he removed the lion's head, and it's like, "Hello, I'm Gokhan Inla. I've just, I've just signed." So I don't think any of any of these lads have uh, have had to go through that. It's but. showbiz, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it, it, it always is. And I think no show, no biz. Do you remember that from the harder they come? Uh, of course. I, I, I think that's that's really important as, as as well because you got the feeling that they had reached the end of a cycle. Yeah. At, at the end of last year, and there was. De Laurentiis was like thinking out loud as he often does. Why am I paying all this money for us to just just finish second yeah, yeah. all the time? So to, to, to run it back with younger players, look, if they don't win the league this season, it's not going to be a massive failure. If they make top four and actually, as well as them being good, the fact that Juventus are in a kind of hole has facilitated that yeah. a, a little bit. So they should be able to make top four, have a good Champions League campaign. If they finish third, fourth, and get to like the last eight of the Champions League playing like this, that's a great season. There's two interesting dynamics there at the top of the Italian table probably shows. First of all, I think it's, uh, and this is where you know, De Laurentiis' comments are interesting as well, in that there's an ongoing shift in Serie A where basically, what is it now, it's almost 40% of the teams are have American owners. And because yeah. all those American owners are so influenced by the, the sh- modern shifts in football, principally, I suppose, the, in- the influence of the German model of running clubs and a lot of analytics, a lot of young players and a lot of pressing. And I, I, that started, and you can kind of see that at the top of the table. Uh, whereas I suppose, now that's obviously influencing the rest of Italian football, but it's interesting that it's Spalletti and De Laurentiis that are doing this uh, without mm. necessarily making those appointments. But the second side of it is, I suppose, that this shift is also, it's yet another kind of almost, um, how to put it, yet another kind of open season in Serie A. Well, it's probably the second in the last few years since the since the Juventus, the, the empire basically started to crumble where mm. if someone wants to seize it there's a real opportunity there to do something historic millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid president, will just not let this Super League idea go, will he? He emphasised his continuing pursuit of it in a speech at Real Madrid's General Assembly last weekend. Miguel, what did you make of it? Well, it never gone away because um, obviously the three clubs, uh, Juventus, Real Madrid and Barcelona, are taking this uh, court case to the European Court of Justice and the almost first staging post of that is December where counsel will be given uh, on the, the hearings in July um, to, to, for some sort of next decision to be made in probably around March, April about whether these clubs actually have a case that UEFA runs a monopoly that is counter to uh, how business should be run in the EU. So it's a European Court of oh, Justice y- level yeah. already. But, uh, but then on the, on the other side, if, and UEFA, UEFA's big argument here is that a monopoly is actually necessary because sport has a cultural power uh, and also they, they run a kind of a pan-European body. Um, the, the, now, the interesting thing there is there are legitimate arguments against, I mean, as grotesque as the kind of original Super, idea, Super League idea was, there are fair arguments over how UEFA has this kind of dual or almost triple role where it's kind of the safeguard regulatory body of the game, but also it's actually sort of in competition with some of its own clubs to a degree because the Champions League is such a, ma- a massive money-making operation. Mm. So one of the key arguments to how you whether whether those should be split um, and, and obviously the, the big plan for these clubs is ultimately they want to have the freedom to go up and go off and devise their own competitions uh, so, I mean, there's all this swirling around in it. Now, there was a lot in Perez's speech that was kind of bombastic and some of it almost a, a dilute. I mean, all this stuff about how fo- football is, is losing it. And this is actually relevant to what we're saying, yeah, about so many American buyers in Italian football. He was talking about how American sports are outstripping football and how kind of, you know, football's facing a losing battle. Yet this comes at the, exactly the same time where... There's never been more like the numbers are actually staggering, and and, and behind the scenes it's even even more so. It's basically like every single American billionaire or anyone who wants to invest in anything in America has realised well, football is the most powerful cultural force in the world. Mm. Let's invest in it. They're trying to buy American investors are trying to buy clubs all across Europe. The multi club project thing has become so big. So from that perspective, Perez's argument is just bogus, but. He did say one interesting thing where, where he's talking about kind of the, the wider issue um, and essentially how any new project would not feature um, fixed members. And I think that could be very significant going forward, especially as regards the the court case. And, yeah, and that's think, a change, obviously, from the previous uh, uh, state, or the, the previous uh, argument. Yeah, that and they you, had. you could argue, Dotton, it's to undercut UEFA's reforms of the Champions League in, in, in 2024, which is meant to be almost, it's, it's almost a more equitable Super yeah. League, isn't, is, yeah. isn't it? The, but, but, the, the but, way it's been put out. But with no great support, no one really likes it. A problem no. is no one really understands it. No. Uh, like, and, and I think the, the key to kind of a competition working is its simplicity. But that, that's it. I mean... <laughs> I think if you go back to UEFA creating the Nations League, yeah. which is one of the better things they've done yeah. in recent years, obviously it's been kind of blindsided by the pandemic and yeah. the pile-up of the schedule. And the and World the Cup this year, arguably. Yeah, yeah well, that's that's part of the, 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 the pile-up, I think. I think with that, it was such a difficulty to get people to get it. And it, yeah. it wasn't... 
I don't think it was ever a particularly complicated format, mm. but I don't think it was particularly well presented yeah, yeah. in those terms. It wasn't presented in particularly clear terms. So really winning the marketing battle for it, I think is, is, is very, very important. But this point that Perez came up with about, um, you know, sporting dynasties like uh, Nadal and Federer, and, you know, no one says that's boring. Well, <laughs> I think it's different in the sense yeah. that Nadal and Federer are not organisations funded <laughs> loads more than their competitors. But also, yeah. they go it's, it's through, no sort of comparison. But, but they go through the knockout stages. You know, they take yeah, on the exactly, lonely tennis exactly. players and sometimes they get knocked out. <laughs> exactly. You know, in the first round. Exactly. It's, 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 it's remarkable. Also, the, the fact that Perez keeps going back to what young people think about football. <laughs> like being told that by a man in his 70s. Yeah, it's yeah. like, what? It's, yeah. it's, out of touch. It's, out of it's, touch. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. Young people think about football what older people think about football. We just want, we enjoy the experience of football. Whatever age you're at, a three-year-old kid, you can see them uh, in the stands. They're mm. enjoying football just like you are. And they're, they're suffering the horrors of football just yeah. like you are. I don't actually think that's complicated. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the interesting thing, sorry, I was just no, going to say, Don, it's, it's really interesting that this has come up this week with... Florentino Perez's comments and going back to what we were talking about in the start mm. Barcelona are where they are at this point. <laughs> and that's why yeah, yeah. you know how I've always found it a bit curious in the last decade how um, Dortmund and Bayern for example are real rivals on the on the pitch again it's a sort of like mutually beneficial yeah, rival, yeah, yeah. rivalry really a commercially expedient rivalry but they're they're, they're total allies off the pitch what they want yeah, yeah. what they want to do globally all their interests align and it's exactly the same I, with Real Madrid and Barcelona and even, Barcelona even more, it's a really interesting point it's actually been it hasn't really been kind of people haven't gone into it that strongly yet but it's it's really worth raising that regard and yeah it's amazing how joined at the hip Barcelona Real and Madrid are now. Yeah, it's it's actually remarkable and how much their 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 interests align. But yeah, you're complete. And I, I mean, I suppose if we if we want to get into a bigger framework, and especially given Dutton's mentioned the Qatar World Cup, there. I mean, also what this entire project is, and this is another issue where the kind of black and white nature of it becomes complicated. What this entire project is basically a response to football's institutional laxness towards sports washing project and state owned clubs that that yeah. is that is its primary route uh, especially when you give when you look at what i mean paris saint germain's ground actually but both of them both abu dhabi's manchester city and um qatar's paris saint germain have basically caused this at barcelona first of all city take barcelona's entire brains trust uh, over, yeah. over the course of 8 years secondly PSG um, basically take their entire playing talent, and mm. one of the—I mean, I remember being told around the Neymar transfer that one of the, one of the—and um, I think we've mentioned the show before—but one of the motivations, or one of the, one of the at least part of the thinking of it, was not just to take these stars, but also the knowledge that most of Europe was going to bankrupt themselves catching trying to catch up with these clubs, and that's exactly what's happened. Mm. Um, so there's so, and and at, at the same time, all this runs alongside the fact that. W- I mean, there's, there's kind of deeper political games here, but basically, Qatar, not that they control European football, but they have significant influence given the most powerful yeah. figure and most, power, most powerful figure, most powerful club in the ECA right now is PSG Trunasser. What's been the reaction from the rest of European football to Perez's comments so far? Muted, but interested. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say. No one's really willing to break cover at the moment and everyone is happy 
to use Real Madrid, um, Barcelona and Juventus as this sort of Trojan horse. Now, we've said for the reasons going back to the, the, the start with Barcelona and where they are at the moment, why they would welcome that sort of certainty. Juventus, whose whole sporting project is hamstrung by a where they are at the moment. Mm. And bear in mind that, you know, that over, over the past decade plus, they've been the financially strongest of all the Italian clubs. Um, but they're in a situation at the moment where ideally they would fire their coach, Massimiliano Allegri. They can't because it's, it's, it's too expensive and it would further set back their, their rebuild. But as Miguel says, there are other clubs out there who have overspent who have got themselves into tricky financial models. And I'm, I'm thinking of a club like Atletico Madrid, for example, who are a club who have been incredibly beholden to Champions League money <coughs> since they got successful, since they moved stadium and, and, and got a bigger stadium. If they thought this was going to work, they would leap at this in an instant. And <coughs> I think there are other clubs yeah. like this as well. So they're all waiting for December. They're all waiting for this court case and they're all waiting to see which way the wind is blowing because this ruling about there being um, a UEFA monopoly or otherwise on organising competitions th this is important not just in terms of the Super League the Super League is an element yeah. of it but it's the fact that clubs will lead things yeah, going yeah, forward yeah. rather than an independent well, I mean, that, body that, 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 that considers sport ahead of say the entertainment business that's what the argument is essentially about as well it's it's whereas the structure of European football in terms of its in terms of power block and its institutional structure basically has the national federations as the basic blocks with that feeding into UEFA what the clubs want to do is basically realign it so the ba the, the basic unit of power is the clubs themselves so it's like a Europe wide yeah. Premier League basically yeah, yeah essentially yeah and on that I mean I suppose depending on who you talk to there's all sorts of it, Opinions on what how how the the court case is going to play out. No one knows for certain. Uh, I think, we, and I, I mean, at the very least, think there have been a feeling it would be a slam dunk for UEFA. At the moment, no one seems to think that. I, I wonder whether it be some kind of fudge, whether there is some sort of kind of wall put up within UEFA between different disparate bodies. But ultimately, to sanction a new competition, you still need UEFA's agreement. Uh, which which would be kind of a classic kind of solution that really kind of satisfies nobody, but at least kind of allow. I mean, because the other side of it is we potentially football getting into a kind of a a dart situation or a cricket situation with disparate kind of bodies and competitions all over the place, which actually which I don't think would be good at all. Yeah, it's not been good for boxing, has it? Yeah, yeah. No. And again, and there's also the inherent question of whatever the flaws of UEFA. Do you, do you want the, the game driven by just the kind of the biggest forces who ultimately, and, and this has of course been central to the Super League discussion as well, are acting in their own interests? And uh, but, but, but the way, one of the predictions that if the Super League get their way, I think what a lot of people seem to feel will happen is that it will lead to either a competitor to the Champions League or a competitor to, or to the domestic leagues potentially, I suppose, um, where it's possibly... The three big clubs still still driving it: Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and a lot of those kind of clubs who are essentially too big for the domestic league, but not big enough for the Champions League. And you've got a mm. fair tranche of them that are massive European names and would make would make any such competition quite commercially attractive. Quite apart from the existential questions as to where, you know, the organising bodies might be left, what, does UEFA have a uh, a 
defence that will stand up in court. Well, it's ultimately based on kind of sport as culture. Uh, and, 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 w- and one of them was also about kind of the closed nature of the Super League. Um, I mean, UEFA's defence has basically been predicated on how awful the Super League project has been. Uh, whereas the Super League argument has been more about, it's about kind of technicalities of law. Mm. Uh, so it basically depends on the interpretation of the court. And the, the one thing is these, these courts tend to be, uh, it tends to be quite political. Uh, UEFA have the backing of mo- of most of the EU member states. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. Whilst we wait for that decision by the European Court of Justice on December the 15th, I must ask you both to recommend a game of the week for us to peruse this week. I'm going to start with you, Andy, because something in Germany has caught your eye, not necessarily for what might happen on the pitch. Well, that might be part of it. Yeah, that'll be part of it as well. It's a bottom-of-the-table clash between Leverkusen and Schalke. Schalke, we always expected them to be down there. Um, we're used to seeing them get played off the pitch by the likes of Augsburg nowadays. That's where they are financially and sportingly. But uh, going to Leverkusen, who are second bottom, only one point Bochum behind them. And uh, they've got a new coach after being well beaten in the second half at Porto in the Champions League this week. And Gerardo Seoane was on, on the way out anyway. That accelerated it. Um, Xabi Alonso mm. is the new coach of Bayer Leverkusen. I know, what a dreamboat. Everyone's very <laughs> excited about it. They're going to sell a lot of training gear off the back of that, I think, that they were struggling to shift um, before. But he's got a lot to sort out. I don't think they're in danger of going down, but this has got transitional season written all over it already. Now, we've already seen Javi Alonso as a coach who and was mentioned with the Bruce, you mentioned Gladback job going back a year or so ago. Um, has got lots of ideas, has got lots of energy about him, knows German football already. You feel Leverkusen is a relatively pressure-free environment to try stuff out. But they've got a squad that's built to at least try and titillate Bayern and and do well in in, in Europe. Now, nothing's finished yet. I, I kind of feel that if they could get a move on, even the Champions League, top six is not out of the question and maybe even Champions League is not out of the question, but they're going to have to be really, really good really quickly and they could do with a result against one of the worst teams in the division to facilitate that uh, it's October first season obviously I've already ordered my beer to wash it down with but what would you recommend uh, to eat no no German food this week I mean Xabi's in town so mm-hmm. I, I think a bit of uh, Basque tapas has to be <laughs> you know it has to be the creme de la creme of cuisine for this one I think he's nicked your cuisine uh, Mikhail <laughs> but what, what's the game that you'd recommend I mean actually it's one of those uh, given Andy's gone so low it's one of those actually one of those weekends that throws up where there's actually a fair few kind of big heavyweight clashes Milan Juventus and uh, of course their classic itself uh, Bayern against Dortmund I suppose we've got to, I mean just for the because the fixture is always electric at the very least even if it's become somewhat predictable in recent years but there's always that energy to it so I suppose I'll go with uh, Bayern Dortmund and maybe have some curry burst <laughs> Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.